Welcome back to the Labourless podcast. I'm Mark Ferguson, editor of Labourless. People actually listened, contributed, and some of you even enjoyed last week's recording. So we're back again with another opportunity to discuss the state of the Labour Party, British politics, and anything else that comes up. This week we'll be talking about yesterday's budget, the launch of the Labour Party's general election pledge card as we head towards the short campaign and the business end of the general election. Joining me in the studio, or actually this week in a pub, as always, are Maya Goodfellow and Connor Pope, people who make Labourlists tick, and they'll be giving you their views. We'll also be hearing what Labourlist readers thought with a first look at the results of Labourlists' weekly survey. So, should we start with the budget then? A big budget week, a massive budget week, except it wasn't really that big a deal, was it, Connor? Well, I thought that the you know kind of takeaway line of it was a false dawn has broken, has it not? George Osborne was talking about the sun beginning to rise on the British economy while he fixes the roof. The roof that obviously he should have already fixed by now, but you know, maybe he didn't have the parts and they took longer to source them. Anyway, you know, what it was in the end was I thought there was a separation between uh, policy and politics, between kind of the announcements and the analysis. Uh, of his policies, there wasn't a great deal in there to be very worked up about, I didn't think. A lot of them were actually, you know, not bad. But his um, analysis of how the economy is going, of where Britain is at the moment, I had a lot of problem with. Uh, he was putting out these lines that living standards were going up. I don't agree with that. He was saying that inequality is going down. I think he's wrong about that. He said that the North-South divide basically didn't exist. I don't agree with We've that. We've got Northern Powerhouse now, don't we? Northern Powerhouse sounds like a great idea. I just wish your government would actually try it instead of instead of saying it. It was... So, yeah, in the end, it was, it was those were the problems with that. And I think you can see that in the way that Labour have reacted to it. Labour haven't gone, we will reverse all of these policies that you've come up with. In fact, Ed Balls was saying earlier today that uh, he had no plans to do any of that. Uh, what they've said instead was, you've not mentioned this. A big attack line that they're going with is the idea that the NHS was mentioned half as much as the Battle of Agincourt. So there, there is that kind of sense of you are missing the big problem here. But in terms of uh, what was the content of it, there wasn't a big difference between the two parties. Maya, obviously we're sat in a pub today. 1p off the price of beer, is that going to be <laughs> what swings people into the Tory column in a few weeks' no, time? No, I think um, like Connor's right in that they've put this optimistic gloss on what's been going on for the past five years. You know, If you're a woman, you're a minority ethnic person, you're disabled, you're going to be hit so hard by the cuts that none of this really means anything to you. It's all just conjecture. I think Ellie May O'Hagan's written an article for us um, today that is particularly interesting because she draws from the think tank class and some of their analysis... Um, which shows that so-called ordinary people um, have been taxed up to 24 times and uh, meanwhile they've cut taxes for the rich. So it's just like figures like that show exactly what the coalition have been doing. So I think he's not really got away with this one because people don't feel it. People don't feel it recovery. And and yet to look at the front pages of the papers, (laughs) you'd think... I mean, a particularly bizarre front page of The Sun, which has George Osborne in... Hot pants. Seemingly it's a link to, to a money supermarket.com yeah. advert, but I watch a lot of TV and I just thought it was a creepy picture of George Osborne <laughs> in hot pants. Very strange. Well, what, what Osborne wants us to believe is that 
his line really was, everything is brilliant, haven't you noticed? Um, and so I think Labour's response to that is going to have to be, this doesn't uh, really correspond with the Britain that people are living in at the moment. Mm. I mean, we, you've got to bear in mind that Britain are now running the biggest deficit in the whole of Europe. For, for a government that came into power on the basically sole platform of reducing the deficit, that's a massive failure. Absolutely. I mean, and I thought it was, was remarkable yesterday that George Osborne said that he had, he had passed his test when it came to reducing the deficit. Actually, um, if anything, his metric became very quickly the Alistair Darling deficit reduction plan rather than his own deficit reduction plan. And I think what perhaps Labour have to be careful of in office, hopefully if there's a Labour government, a Labour Chancellor, a Labour Prime Minister in a few weeks' time is not falling into the trap of being held to George Osborne's plan, which, let's be honest, I'm not sure George Osborne thinks is even sustainable over the next five years of the Parliament. Well, especially given that the forecast for spending cuts between 2016 and 2018 are going to be much, much deeper than anything we've seen over the past Parliament. That's quite a scary proposition. And that's going to be, you know, kind of propped up by having a huge increase in, in spending towards the end of the Parliament, aka when the next election will be, which kind of gives a lot of weight to this idea that it was a very political budget. There was this very strange moment yesterday when uh, Ed Balls was, was saying that uh, Tories taken, wanted to take Labour back to the 1930s or the 1920s, and the Tories popped up and said, actually, I think you'll find we're taking it back to 1964. When you've got a government that's arguing what decade they're taking you back to in terms of public spending, that's a, a very unusual place to be. Something that, that will be discussed perhaps in, in what's left of the TV debates after they've been, they sort of had the legs cut out from under them, haven't they? Um, by the time we come back to do our next podcast in a week time, we could, we could be about to have the first of what are theoretically called the TV debates for expecting Channel 4 and Sky to be running one that's effectively an interview with Paxman. I find that quite strange considering Paxman, I think, is now out as a Tory. Quite a strange way to conduct an election. Well, he said he was a one-nation Conservative, so perhaps he sees himself as a different decade of Conservatism to the 1960s that the, uh, David Cameron wants us to, to take us back to. Maya, are you looking forward to the, to the TV debates? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think Maya uh, <laughs> speaks for a nation. Um, no, I'm really not. And it's, I just feel like it's not going to be that helpful for the election. It's not going to be that helpful to push people uh, in the direction they want to vote. It's just more... I mean, obviously, there's going to be the seven-way debate, which will have some women in it. Great. I mean, I know we're not all necessarily in agreement that that is going to be a, a decent format, having seven people shouting at each other on stage. But... Um, it's just more the same. Like, your PMQ rants kind of sum it up. I don't think it's going to be that much more exciting than what we see every Wednesday, which mm. is very boring. Mm. And then there's the fact that the, the one debate the Prime Minister Society wants to turn up to is going to take place on Monday Thursday, which rules out anyone who drinks, anyone who has a four-day weekend, and anyone who goes to church. So for the number of people watching the TV debate, probably roughly proportional to the number of people who listen to this podcast, it's going to be a fascinating seven-way Royal Rumble. So that's certainly something we've got to look forward to. What we have had this week, though, which was very interesting uh, from an election point of view, was the launch of Labour's pledge card. I was in 
Birmingham on Saturday for that event. Sort of a bit of a political jamboree. We had celebrities, uh, Jermaine Jackman, beautiful voice, and Labour Party supporter introducing Ed Miliband, actors, business people. Um, but when it came down to it, there weren't really any surprises on the pledge card, were they? We'd had the first four pledges already. The fifth one was, as we expected, on cost of living. Um, what do you make of the, of the pledge card, Maya? Um, uh, I think it's a bit underwhelming. Um, I mean, on things like housing and the minimum wage, I think they could have done and said more. Um, I'd be interested to know also about their policies um, on apprenticeship wage, which I think at the moment is £2.73 if you're between the ages of 16 and 18, and if you're over the age of, uh, over that age, so you're 19 and over for the first year, that's your wage, which mm. is, there's been no mention of that, so... Um, and, it, and it got quite a big bump, actually, from the current government. Uh, the Low Pay Commission yeah. recommended a 7 yeah. rise, and the government gave it an extra 50p. Actually, something I expected to be a much bigger part of yesterday's budget talking about what the Tories are doing for apprentices. You couldn't move a Tory conference without references to apprenticeships, but relatively low-key yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, mean, I mean, Labour need to come out and say what they would, they do in that respect, because they keep talking about um, high-quality apprenticeships. That means little if you basically can't afford to live. Um, but my biggest issue is the immigration pledge. Um, talking about controlling immigration is just totally lost on me, I think. I don't know who they're trying. Well, I do know who they're trying to pander to, but I don't think it's going to work. And the, in our, um, we asked this question in our Labour survey. We asked people to rank um, each of the pledges, and Im- immigration came right at the bottom. Not very many people think that that is a good pledge at all. So, Connor, you're, you're wielding your copy of the, uh, of the pledge card there. I, I was just having a look through uh, the, you know, specific policies on the bank. Yeah, there's nothing about apprenticeships in there. The Control immigration pledge the, in the uh, specifics on the back actually doesn't say anything about the way in which we would control immigration. It is about the way that people who've just moved to the country can uh, claim benefits and how employers are would be unable to undercut wages by uh, hiring foreign you're workers. You're not the first person to say that one side of the card doesn't necessarily yeah. reflect the detail of what's on the other side of the card, on the controlled immigration pledge as well. I'm pretty sure the language up until now has always been controlled immigration fairly. Mm. And the use of that word fairly, whilst not whilst not reduced... I mean, there are always going to be people in the party who don't want us to have immigration as one of our, our pledges. That's a completely different point of view to have. But that use of that word fairly for a lot of people was, 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 was the... And, the, and what lay behind that was was whether people could accept it or not. I think that is yeah. a bit of a mistake to lose that word. Well, it's now been shoved to the back, and it does say they're going to use fair rules. Um, and, I mean, the issue with even having fairly in there is that immigration needs to be controlled when it doesn't. And also this um, other implication that people who come here come here from abroad claim benefits as soon as they arrive is just not true. That's such a small proportion of people that it really is. that. I mean, people who have an issue with this pledge, that is where it lies, because it just paints immigrants, people from abroad, as, you know, work-shy, shirkers, whatever you want to, whatever word you want to use, and it's it's not true. Um, so I think, for, I mean, for me, no matter how they phrase it, it shouldn't be on there. Sure. Overall, uh, people are quite pleased with the... Um pledge card, I think, um, on our 
survey, it scored uh, quite good to very good. Um, there was also, you know, quite a few people saying average in there. But the amount of people saying that it was a bad pledge card was, was quite low. The NHS pledge was obviously very popular. After that, it was the cost of living pledge. After that, it was reducing the deficit. And surprisingly, the, uh, the promise of Britain pledge, as I call it, but which is down here as a country where the next generation can do better than last, was the fourth most popular pledge. So, yeah, there is a, there is a clear sense, I think, that Labourless readers are broadly happy with this pledge card. I mean, obviously, this isn't the end of the policy process. It's not the end of what Labour will offer. There obviously is only a limited amount that the party can do, though, between now and the election. If you don't have something on your pledge card, can it be one of your big promises? Will Labour still have a rabbit to pull out of the hat when the manifesto is launched in the next week or two? These are are fairly significant questions for the party. It's quite surprised not to see housing on there and housing had been... I mean, the party is, is pretty pleased with its pledge on housing. It thinks that 200,000 homes a year by 2020 is pretty stretching. Now, I disagree. I think we should be trying to get bigger and we should be trying to get there quicker. I did do a very interesting interview with Ever Reynolds, which will be on Labour List in the next week or so, as she's explained sort of why we're on that direction of travel and how, how difficult it is to get there. But again, I, I did think that housing was something where Labour could offer something different to the Tories. And, you know, perhaps if it had been a, a six-point pledge card, that might, have, that might have made it on. Is there anything either of you would have liked to have seen on the, on the pledge card that's not? So, something that is not going to be... I, I don't think... Uh, I'm gonna, there's going to be much agreement on this, but something about climate change for me. And I know that's not, like, a particularly electorally popular issue but I would like Labour to say a bit more about that thing and they have they have made some announcements in terms of like their decarbonisation targets but in in uh, you know linking to the free freezing energy uh, prices I just would like to see how those two things kind of work with one another because climate change is something Ed Miliband has talked about and obviously as he was Minister for Energy and Climate Change it's something he's concerned about and I'm not sure how those two poli- those two uh, policy areas might contradict one another it's, it's, it's hard isn't it I guess because the pledge card I, I like pledge cards I think it's good especially for activists I don't think anyone's looking at this and saying oh I've received the Labour Party pledge card well that explains everything I'd better go and vote Labour but I think for activists, it's incredibly useful in terms of being able to pull it out of your pocket and say, well, here's five things the Labour Party will do in government. But I think there's always that tension between the retail offer of the pledge card and the detail of what a government will do. So at our half-day conference earlier this week, and you can read all about it on, on our live blog from the day, uh, one of the big things that kept on coming up time and time again, and which Lucy Powell and Andrew Donis were particularly keen to talk about, was this idea of devolving power down to local communities, down to local authorities, but beyond that to local areas, villages and towns. That's not something that's ever going to appear on a pledge card, but it might in many ways be significantly bigger than a lot of the things that have taken up space in that little, little card. Yeah, and you've got to remember that a pledge card really is just an electoral ploy, basically. And so you're not going to see anything about climate change on there. You're not going to see anything about railways on there. You're not going to see anything about on housing on there because they are not polling as important uh, subjects for the uh, elect- election. They're not, no. And I, I mean, I understand why it's not why, why climate change isn't on there. But the, I mean, Polly Toynbee made a really interesting point about this at the um, half-day conference. Is 
things like climate change is something that Labour should have been pushing for the past five years, even if it is unpopular. It's one of the most important issues facing the country and the world, and it hasn't got enough um, attention focused on it. Uh, so, yeah, I agree that it was never going to go. It was never going to make it on the pledge card. But you know, this is. In, in a fantasy world, it would be something I, I would like them to be. I think one of the big things is that now with social media, both critics and supporters of the party will look at something like a pledge card and say, this is a distillation of everything the Labour Party stands for. And of course, that's not the case. It's far more complicated than that. But that's going to have to be something we talk about another time. Next week, debates, debates, more debates, and perhaps first sight of the manifesto thanks very much for listening thank you very much to connor and maya and we'll see you next week thanks very much goodbye <laughs>